So it's been a while since we've done a Blood Brothers episode. Yes, it has. Yes, yes, it's been a long time. And uh, now we get to start up again. You know, not a lot of people watch Blood Brothers. It doesn't get a lot of views. But it's one of the things that when people do stop me, like, out in public and have specific praise for something, Blood Brothers is one of the most frequently praised things that I do. So... Really, because when I'm out in public, one of the most frequently praised things that you do is saving people's lives. Nobody that's... ever comes up to me and says, I love Blood Brothers. They say, Rabbi Shays Tabs, your brother, he saved my life. Do they really? Yeah. I have had that multiple times. They say I saved their life? Yes. Uh-huh. That was when I was a uh, lifeguard at the pool when corn popped came over I used to keep uh raise straight razors in a rain barrel to rust it up make it more dangerous is that a reference to something yeah joe biden oh okay yeah okay all right what are we what are we talking about hanukkah we are we're gonna talk about hanukkah i was thinking about uh my, my um, my daughter was trying to figure out a Dvar Torah to say at a Fabrengen tonight. Um, and so uh, I I was like thinking, okay, what well, Hanukkah things? And um, I, I saw, all right, you know, I'll do the the, the thing about the, the basic question about the days of Hanukkah, the miracle. And so I, I went through the quest. question. What? Tell everyone the famous question. I'm, yeah, I'm going to. I told her the question, and then she just like like oh, she was very excited about it. So um, the question is, um, if all right. So the question, look, we'll we'll I'll do it the way I did it with with my daughter, which is, what is the miracle of Hanukkah? You want to play the game? Go yeah. for it. What's the miracle of Hanukkah? The oil. Laughs yeah. longer. Uh, that's why we light candles, at least. It's one of the miracles why we light candles. Yes. Right. And why we light candles for eight days? Because the oil lasted eight days. Right. And how many days was it supposed to last? It was one day's worth of oil. Right. So then, and then immediately the light bulb went on for her, and she's like, oh, yeah. So then what was the miracle the first day? Right. That's the question is if it was supposed to be able to last for one day and it lasted for eight days, then there's only seven days worth of miracle. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then we talked about the Sicha, um, and we talked about, I, I got out, I, I had the opportunity to take out the Safer that I love. It's one of the first Swarim I ever bought, which is, has 500 answers to that question. Really? Yeah. There's one Safer with 500 answers to that question? Yes. What's it called? Uh, I think. You know who it's by? I mean, who compiled it? No, but the sources for all of them, there's like, you know, 500 of them. I'm saying if it's your favorite safer, one of your favorites fought him, it would be, I don't know, what you never wanted to look into who did it and just write the guy a letter and be like, that was really cool. Yeah, you know what? So, you know what? I'll, let me run and get the safer. Okay, I'll stall while you get it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Hold on a minute. No problem. So, uh, David, you under does everyone understand that David, his office or his studio, 
is a shed in his basement. He built a shed in his basement. So when the doors are open, you can see sort of like there's a basement back there. I think you can even see like his hot water heater. So now everybody knows the uh, behind the scenes. And this is where he's been shooting the partial rabbit hole. I don't know if everybody's familiar with David's new series, his weekly Parsha series called The Parsha Rabbit Hole, where he does a lot of research. It's actually a pretty marvelous scholarship, but it's also funny and quirky and interesting and highly engaging. But uh, you should check it out, Parsha Rabbit Hole, on his YouTube channel, which is called Creative Judaism. Creative Judaism. Okay, he's taking longer than I thought. So, um, what do you want to hear? What do you want me to tell you? Um, we switched from Vesein Bracha to Vesein Talumotar Livracha. Did you hear about the Yaka who told his wife, I'm going out for Maidav now, and I'm going to be a little bit later for supper than usual, because tonight is the night we switch from Vesein Bracha to Vesein Tal Umotar Livracha. You get it? Because he's a yake. He's really punctilious. So the difference in those couple words being added, he felt he needed to tell his wife that he's going to be home later than usual. Okay, Tubbin's back. I'm back. So what's uh, who wrote? Uh... All right, here's a safer you may shmina. Yeah, you may shmina. Yeah, five hundred answers on Kushia Sabes Yosef, and it is. I know honestly, I never thought of this safer as being written by anybody. David, you spend so much time. I know. I know. Wow. I am saying this, even though it'll make the person who wrote it, or their son and daughter and grandchildren, cry. Um, that I said that, be, but that's because like it's we're watching, owning up to it. That's like a guy who's watching Itchigadusi and he loves it. And he's like, I watch it. I quote it. Oh, there's a person who did that. Honestly, for a puppet show, that's the greatest compliment. Maybe not for a safer though. For a puppet show, you you don't want people to think that you exist. You don't want them to be thinking about it while they're watching it. So is a, is is a book of Torah the same thing think that like if somebody read would would somebody have the same feeling saying like you read this safer and all you thought about was the Torah that's in it and not about me that's the greatest gift you could give me. As somebody who engages in scholarship and research and knows how hard of a job it is, surprising to me that you weren't cognizant of the human toil that went into putting I know. I, I know. I, I should have been. And it's, So who's I, the guy? What? Oh, who's the guy? All right. That is, by the way, um, presumptuous of you to assume that it's a guy. You're right. Who is the gal? 
don't know. I'm not finding a name here. Maybe it did just spontaneously create itself. Wouldn't that be ironic? <laughs> it was a question that really should have only had one answer, and sometime, somehow it spontaneously generated 500 answers in the form of a safer. Sounds like a Twilight Zone episode. The Man in the Cave. Okay, I think people are going to get bored. You can't cut out all the the pauses? I could, but who's going to go sit and cut through this whole thing? You're going to edit right. it? I'm not going to edit it. All right, it, the only thing it says is machen or chadosh. Okay, the machen or chadosh, you know what that means? It means it's a group of guys. It's basically a kylo. So a bunch of guys did this. Okay, or... What? Or a bunch of scholarly women. Or a bunch of women, yes. Correct. Maybe that's even why they called it a machan or chadish, because... Oh, they knew the people <clears throat> might <throat> might not be received properly. Right. Yes. Yeah. They hid behind a cloak of group anonymity. Um, so yeah, so one of the answers, and first it brings the the answers that that uh, the base Yosef brings or says. Um, and what does base Yosef say? I one of the, so there's there's the two uh, the two different uh, categories, you know. So one and one is that they uh, poured out all the oil, you know, distributed it, and that should have emptied out the jug, but it was full still. Magic and then, jug. what? Magic jug refill. Magic oil or magic jug. Yeah, I spoke about the magic <sighs> rabbit hole. Yeah, the Yishlach rabbit hole. Arsh rabbit hole. Um, I'll, I, for those of you as, who haven't seen him, make While it. you were getting the safer, I. Oh, you already oh. spoke about it. So then, all right. Um, commercial for partial rabbit hole. So, uh, yeah. So they've 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 uh, poured it out and it was magically full. And then the other uh, one of the style first of answer I heard when I was a kid was a guy found a magic lamp, a genie with a magic lamp, and he got. I think he got two wishes in this joke. The first one he said, "Could I have a chocolate milkshake that never ends, uh, magically refills itself? It's never ending." And he gave it to him. What's your second wish? You said, could I get another one? Yeah. Why did he want another one now? Right. Because the first one's never ending, so why would he want another one? That's funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> Maybe you wanted to share it with a friend. He didn't want to get germs. Maybe he could have just asked for a, a straw. Second never straw. Ending. He didn't even ask, he shouldn't have asked the genie for a second straw. He could just get a second straw. That, that would, would be a waste of a wish to uh, wish for a straw. Yeah. That's a good new joke. The second wish was, can I get a straw? <laughs> or infinite straws, so you could share it with, with infinite people. Yeah. Um, so what's the second answer of the base, Yosef? Is that they divided it up. So that it would last throughout the eight day, uh, so that that it would be enough to last for for that until they could get more oil, um, and they only put a little bit in each day, 
which wouldn't have been enough and it, it, to last the whole time, and it did. Right. So they were they divided it up a little bit per day to light for a little bit per per day, but it lit all day every day. Right. So the the, the Rebbe describes that as two different categories of answers, uh, which is, and there there are there's five hundred answers, and they all kind of fit into these categories. Um, there's another category, which is that the first the first day the miracle, of the first day was a different miracle entirely. Um, yeah, but and there's like a hundred answers like that. But in, in the category of the oil being the miracle that we're doing on on every single day, mm-hmm. then there these these are the two categories that Rebbe divides it up into. Either is miraculously there is more oil, miracle oil, or the nature of the oil was changed so okay. that it burned differently than oil usually burns. It burns in that miraculous. What? Kamos and Echos. Kamos and Echos. Yeah, right. It wants to the oil and the quality of it. <clears throat> right. So was the miracle in the quantity, meaning that there was more and more, or was the miracle in the quality, that even the same amount of quantity was able to do more than it would normally do? Right. So what, one of the answers that I saw in here, um, I forget where it's from, and I'm not going to look it up because I don't want to bore people, so I'm not going to say Bishem Emre. Um, unfortunately, uh, is basically the same one as the, as the, as the, the first one that you pour out the oil and, and, and the thing is magically full, except it kind of described the mechanics of it more that it said that the air of the, the air that entered into the, the jar became oil. So when you're pouring oil out of a jar, we think of it as like, oh, you're emptying it, but it's not empty. It's a, it's not a vacuum, Right. As you are pouring out oil, air is entering into it to replace that space that was that was previously filled by by oil. Right. And so this answer was saying, like, how does it work that you pour out oil and then you see that it's still full? Like, what? When exactly did it get there? And it's, I guess, every, as every molecule of air was entering into that space, um, it became oil, which is interesting. Cool. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, isn't it? I think it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that you would need to explain the chemical process of a miracle. Um, like, you wouldn't want to say it's spontaneously generated out of nothing. You'd want to explain something, you know, as yesh me yesh, like one thing turned into another thing. Right. So, Yeah. The less you understand about the mechanics of the miracle, kind of the less of a miracle it is, right? Because then everything's a miracle. Everything is a miracle. Oh, God. all right. You just saved my life. <laughs> That's how I save people's lives, by the way. I'm telling them that everything's a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> So tell us something interesting. I thought I just did. I thought I just told you something interesting. Sorry, I'm so sorry. You did. You did. That was such a burn. Right. Uh, just talk for 10 minutes. Tell us something interesting. Uh, um, so um, tell us something else interesting. Well, why don't you tell us what the Rebbe's answer is, and then I'm going to tell you the, the questions I was thinking about about it. 
The answer from the Sikha? Yeah. I don't remember. I'm going to say it, and I have questions. And the reason I have questions is probably because I understood it wrong. And then you're you're just going to correct me, and then all my questions are going to go away. Okay. But um, I believe that the Rebbe's answer is that he introduces a third a third way of looking at it. It's yeah. not the quantity of the oil, and it's not the quality of the oil. It is that the oil, it was, they poured in enough oil, and the oil didn't burn. Or it burned, rather, but it didn't, it didn't get consumed. It didn't burn up. Yeah. So, in the past, do you, is there anything inspirational and life-saving you want to say about that before I ask my questions? No. Okay. Um, so in the past, I've had a question, and I might have I might have answered it for myself tonight, which is, isn't that also just echos? You're changing this into oil that doesn't get consumed. Yeah. It, it solves the, the Rebbe's problem with the echos answer, with the quality and with the quality. Ca- answers and category of answers because the problem with it was that um if if you put in just an, just enough oil to you ration it out um then you're not doing the mitzvah properly right in this case it, it allows you to put all the oil in and um and then you're doing the mitzvah properly every single night because there's the right amount of oil in it every single night and somehow it's not it's not being consumed at all but the never presents it in Lukot Sikhas as being so so this solves the problem but he presents it as being a new category he says it says I, I, yeah. I, I forget what the exact language is but a third a third something kind of looking at it right why is this not just another Echos answer that solves the problem obviously I don't remember the Sikhas so well because when you asked me to tell you what it says I didn't remember but so the best uh, way to ask questions is to ask somebody who hasn't seen it inside and doesn't know the answer because then you can ask like questions that are based on misunderstandings of the of the topic and then you force the person so some one of the some of the greatest kadushatera I've ever elicited from people is because I completely misrepresented the subject matter okay i mean i i i'm i've learned this before so i don't think you could completely mislead me but let's say i just follow your lead what i seem to remember is that that everyone wants to say that this was a paradox it was burning and not burning in, in other words the the category of eichos quality that the Beis Yosef describes is basically slow burning oil. It burnt ridiculously slowly to the point where that's not natural. This is not slow burning. This is burning and not burning at the same time. Does that sound correct or am I? It sounds correct. It sounds like that is is what it is saying. And then, because later, when he gives an example in Avaida, talks about like the, the 
the feeling of Basiris Nefesh that you have in, 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 at the time of Krishna in the morning and how it wears off over time throughout the day. And so there would be one, one way uh, of like maintaining that where somehow you're able to, to keep it going, but it's, it's still, it's still just, it happened once and it's still, and it's wearing off just slower over the day. Like you said, it's burning slower. And then the other way is just to stay in a state of Mesiris Nefesh uh, constantly all day long. Um, okay, but it still doesn't answer my question, which is it still is just a oil that doesn't, that burns and not burns at the same time. It's changing the quality of oil. Usually when you burn oil, then it's even more miraculous but it's still just like, okay, usually oil burns and gets consumed as it burns, and now it's not. This oil behaves differently. Yeah, but it's an, it's an inherent paradox. The, uh, the, the other explanation is not a paradox. Meaning there could be a substance that, that burns more efficiently. Or I could say more simply, there's a rate at which oil burns. You could speed it up to burn crazy fast. You could slow it down to burn crazy slow. Either of those would be unnatural. But this is not a rate. This is not speeding up or slowing down the rate. This is transcendent of that entire concept. It burns without burning. Okay. Like, I think if you understood physics and chemistry, not you, if I understood physics and chemistry enough, changing the rate of the burning would be equally as impossible. The... Like, to me, the way I am, it's like, I have no idea what the rate of, of burning of olive oil is, the consumption of it. I like, and I certainly don't know why it is that way. I don't know what the no idea what chemical... the burning of olive oil is. You take one of those little glass caps and you crack. It's different every single time. Really? Yeah. What, what are you talking? You've never filled up that thing and then one of them just went all the way down and the others didn't? You're right. So that's a miracle. It's That's my Hanukkah miracle every Hanukkah. Now I saved your life. You did. No, because you this miracle that you just pointed out to me is meaningless because everything's a miracle. Which you already saved my life with. Yeah. So okay. all right. So okay, fine. It's it's great. You made it you made it a cooler miracle, it's paradoxical. But is it still an Achus thing? No. Why not? Why is it not just simply changing the quality of the oil? Because that's not the feature of the miracle. In other words, the, the simple explanation of the Beis Yosef when he says that it just took forever to burn. It took eight days to burn instead of one day. Like I said, it's just slowing down the rate. 
How do you decide when it sounds Zamdanish to pronounce a chaylam as a cummins? I just imitate what I hear people doing. Right, but Beis Yosef sounds so much smarter than Beis Yosef. Yeah, I don't know. I just... <laughs> All right. I, I just imitate. Like... Uh, I was hoping I, that you had a rule for me that I... No. Make a handbook on how to... I don't have a rule. I don't have a rule. Yeah. Just imitate what I hear. Um, yeah, I'm sorry I interrupted you. You were saying something meaningful. Potentially life-saving. No, I wasn't saying anything meaningful. I think everyone's going to click away. I think we're <laughs> going to be bored. <laughs> just do some tomfoolery, some shenanigans. Just like you do something silly over there to get the crowd back. Yeah, yeah. Does that does that work? <laughs> That's pretty good. You know, is that get is that going to get the crowd interested again? They're going to come yeah. back. Yeah, they're, they're all coming back. Our they retention rate is going up. And the graph is going to go up. Not only are they going to rewatch it, they're going to keep on rewatching it. I want to see the part where his eyes turned into puppet eyes. You know, you could sell this as a product for people who have to do Zoom meetings for work. So they could take a nap? They could take a nap. <laughs> Can you imitate a guy? Just go try to relax your body like you're deeply asleep. <laughs> deeply asleep. Okay. But you're about to crack a smile, so it's not believable. Like, I want you to, like, slack jaw, drool. Stop. Stop. Oh, your eye fell out. Your eye fell out. Oh, my goodness. You have a detached retina. That's so good. You should sell that. What? Oh my goodness. I feel bad for all the people who ran away because they got bored from the Aches and Kamas discussion and they didn't get to see that. Yeah, that's what <laughs> you learn. You gotta you gotta put up it's with like the boring thing and you gotta respect the process. Yeah, you got a whole bunch of puppet eyes back there. You gotta pop some puppet noses too. Yeah. See, that's exciting. Puppet yeah. nose. Looks like a clown nose. Yeah, it does on a person, which is upsetting. Um, I mean, on a puppet, it doesn't look as clownish. No, it looks correct. My, you had a clown puppet. Do you remember your clown puppet? There was a clown in a, a Chikaduzi episode. I used a clown nose for that, actually. You used a real clown nose? As I recall, he was a mute clown. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't talk. He, he yeah. was mute and he was passive aggressive. And I don't remember the joke. What was the joke? Uh, um, uh, can we roll the clip? You don't remember? Hang on. Did they show up? It was in the Pesach one. He was um, like, he was menacing. Oh, it was because they had the, the circus tent. Right. Mar Marvin and Roy went to get a tent for the overflow for the Seder, for a public Seder. Right. And they rented a circus tent and this clown was just kind of dancing around. And though, and then he, and then he... He honked Marvin's nose, which Marvin was very upset by. Right, but he was like, menacing. <clears throat> he was menacing. Yeah, I, I, I think 
because part of the plot device was that there had to be things happening that they didn't understand. They thought they were just renting a circus tent and it turned out they were renting the whole circus. So there couldn't be like thorough communication between them. Um, do you want to hear what my answer to the Echa's question is? Yeah. Oh, you had an answer? Yeah, I was doing the thing where I make you keep on giving me answers. And oh, I don't like that. You had an answer the whole time. I had an answer. I I don't didn't know if it was a good answer. I was listening to your answers to see if you had a better one. You did not uh, satisfy <laughs> you me. You did not, in fact. Have you did not have a better answer. Hey, go ahead. Let's hear it. This is what I think. You might tell me I'm absolutely wrong and this is outlandish to say. Or I need to put in my puppet eyes. <laughs> I'll have to send you some. Nineteen ninety-five. Um, that's how much they cost. Um, Thought that was the year you made them. It's not the year that I made them. It's the it is the year that Millie Vanilli were uh, revealed to be frauds. Is it really? I don't know. I'm just trying to think of something that happened in nineteen ninety-five. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, what my suggestion is. That in the Rebbe's answer, that the, the oil burned and didn't get consumed, the miracle is not a change in the oil at all. It is a miracle involving oil, but it is not a miracle where the oil changed. It is a miracle where burning changed. Oh my goodness. The oil didn't change, burning changed. Yeah. Yes, Weimar. You'd have to look at the language to see if you're okay with that, but. That's crazy. Yeah, and I feel like it, like, that can have implications. It instantly, I haven't articulated it yet. It instantly made sense to me in terms of my understanding of the Rebbe's, what, what I, what I hear and see from, from the Rebbe's teachings. Yeah. The, the kind of a, a, a approach of not worrying about the status of the thing and focusing on that action. I might say, oh, it could kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's where my mind went. Okay. All right. You, you saved my life. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, you want to tell us? It was one opportunity you had to save my life, and you didn't. And instead, the Israeli tour guide saved my life. I was just walking in oncoming traffic in Israel. Don't even remember that. No, when we, you and I went to Israel together, um, and I was 13 or 12, and you were 19 or 20. Um, did I do that math right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we were on this tour, and uh, at some point I was just like eating an ice cream cone, walk across the street, and not paying attention to anything, and uh, all of a sudden the tour guide swooped me out. And then you you were like, don't you realize this guy just saved your life? You have to appreciate this guy. I told you that? Yeah. So and not only did I fail to save your life, but that I... You lectured me about... about lectured some... you about you need to appreciate this guy. 
and that in China, you have to be a servant for life. So you had the lecturing part down already. You just didn't get the life-saving part yet. You had to build that up. Right. There's a certain ratio of lecturing ability to life-saving ability that yeah. is viable as a... Yeah, you were young. Yeah. 19 or 20. Yeah. So you want to tell us a little bit about <clears throat> partial rabbit hole? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know what I don't know what you already said, but it's a weekly partial video I make where I so all right. So the name of the channel is Creative Judaism. That's the name of the YouTube channel. <laughs> do, do you have a good with eyes? <laughs> Could you tell me about your latest creative endeavor? <laughs> okay. Um, the thing I is, go to like parent-teacher conferences. <laughs> For my kids, be like. I, w I was, when you were talking about it, I was thinking, like, this isn't believable. This is ridiculous. This is obviously puppet eyes, right? Um, but, and so then I was thinking, no, what you'd have to use is taxidermy eyes. And then I was thinking of how wild that would look. Do you use taxidermy eyes for anything? Um, I haven't. I've never made anything that needed to look that real. I have friends who who use taxidermy eyes regularly. Oh, that's a known hack among the puppeteers to use. It is the the like meeting point between the taxidermy community and the like VFX community. What's VFX? Uh, video effects. I guess that's digital special effects community. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't use the right terminology. Um, like, you know, creature, the creature making community. I haven't had an opportunity to use them though, because I've never needed to make anything that real. Taxidermy eyes to make it believable. Yeah. Well, the, so, cause that's the thing about taxidermy is the rest of the animal, you can, you can stuff it, right? You, you know, take out all the stuff that makes it work. You've got right. the outside that makes it look like an animal. And, right. And you can maintain that so it looks exactly like the animal. Right. Eyes are the only like front facing exterior thing that won't last, that won't hold up. You can't preserve. Yeah. There's, it's like muscle, you know, and it'll just wither away. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the one thing that the taxidermist has to replace and make completely artificial. So next time somebody is uh, at the museum looking at the saber-toothed tiger, they should know those are just glass marbles. Yeah, you're looking at the tiger. The tiger's not looking at you. And those eyes never looked at anything. They're not eyes. Right. What are bowling balls made of? Um... You know that I once pranked called a bunch of bowling alleys, right? Yeah, you made an ice ball. Yeah. I know about that. But what are bowling balls made out of? They're made out of... Uh... I can't stop thinking they're made out of stone, but that's Fred Flintstone's bowling ball. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
I think, without looking it up, that they're made out of resin, maybe with some sort of uh, like metal core for weight. That's very believable. They're not hollow. Though. If I said that to you, if I just didn't, if I didn't preface it with "this is my guess," if I just right. said, "Oh, they're made out of resin with a lead core," right? They're not hollow. No, no, and then you got bowling balls that are all the same size and different weights. So there's, I'm assuming they're filled with something different than the outside to help make them heavier. I'm, I'm making things up. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the partial rabbit hole. Oh, okay, fine. Um, so yeah, name of the YouTube channel is Creative Judaism. That's the name of the website. It's name the I'm my umbrella name for things. First thing I did, I started doing, like, oh, I should, you know, I'm I'm trying to put content out there. I'll make a, a weekly YouTube video, animation. I'm not. That's historically what I've done. Um, I'm like, I can't, I can't make a, you know, a puppet show or a, a, a cartoon every week. Um, and so then I was like, all right, I'll, I'll so I'll, I'll uh, I've given a few shiurim over the past few years, and I thought I'll just do what I do for those. And so I was just like, find something interesting, follow it down, and follow it all the way until it gets somewhere, and then and and do that. And what so I landed up with is this channel called Creative Judaism, where its flagship series is a twenty-minute parsha year, which seems antithetical to the whole Creative Judaism theme, if you just say it like that on paper. So it's twenty minutes of me just talking about interesting things of uh, something interesting I found in the parsha but the whole idea of it is that I'm I'm trying to like I th- this is what I think I think most uh, somebody gives a sheer and they feel like they've got it if they, assuming that they prepare this is somebody who takes it seriously to do a bunch of research and I feel like normally you feel like you've got to you know it's like it's like not knowing the name of the of the people who wrote the safer right or or the pup hiding under the puppet. Normally, you want to conceal that, right? The thing that makes the 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 class feel magical is that you just present your your thing from your path beginning to end without the you tell them what's necessary. So here, what I was trying to do is just like pull back the curtain and reveal the process of just finding things and exploration and also not have a destination and just go off somewhere. Because there's so many fascinating things. It's like, I mean, this Torah, it's infinite. So there's just like infinite, amazing things to find. So that's the creative part. Hello? Yeah. When did I cut out? A long time ago. <laughs> All right. I want to tell you, I was going on the entire time because it it didn't like go black for me. Your screen froze. Right. Where you were just like this. So essentially it did this for you. Um, yeah. where I thought you were just like really interested. <laughs> exactly. But then I kept on like kind of trying to up it to get a reaction out of you, and it wasn't working. <laughs> That's what happens when the aliens come and inspect me. <laughs> you know, when the aliens come, the alien abduction, the little great doctors, and they inspect you, and you yeah, scream, yeah. you're screaming and freaking out, and they're like, 
Oh, that's what they do? Yeah. I thought you were saying that's what you do to strip them of their power. No. They don't have power over me. I'm screaming. (laughs) and, and, And they go like this. Well, they're also like, you know, probing. They're probing and stuff, and but their face is like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've I've known people like that. Um, <laughs> they stare at you like they're inspecting you like the aliens. During lockdown, during lockdown, when my kids were in uh, in Zoom school, I told them to, and they never did it. I said. I can give you my green screen for, um, like, you know, I've got a green screens for work. I can give you that and you use it for, so you have a really good Zoom, uh, you know, green screen for the Zoom background. But then you set as your Zoom background a picture of you listening attentively or even shoot a video of it and use it as a video background um, so that you can just leave class. So whenever you leave, you'll still be there. They never did it. I I like telling my children to do bad things because I win either way. Either they listen to me and they do something and they do what I want and they do something clever that wins. And I like telling them to get a mitzvah of kibbutz. What? They do the mitzvah of kibbutz, tell them ways to like to cheat and get ahead because if they do it, then they got ahead. They don't do it, then it means they have integrity. So either way, I win. It's like the Mashal Zaina from the Zayar. Okay, explain. I don't know. She's trying to make somebody do something bad. Oh. She's happy when they don't. Right, exactly, but not happy if they do. Right, but you're happy both ways. Which is interesting. Is the Yitzhahara happy when we do bad things? I think the Yitzhahara is a very tortured entity i think the itzahara is never really happy never really fulfilled i think the itzahara hates himself interesting the itzahara it says in the Zayas, is supposed to protect you both the itzahara and the itzahara are are meant to this is if you watched read did a rabbit hole about angels and and something i quoted from the Zayas seemed to say Based on my very superficial understanding of Zayar, is that uh, that these two angels that are appointed to fo- follow that everyone has to f- appointed to follow them is the Yitzhar Tov and the Yitzhara. So, it, and they're both supposed to protect you. Yitzhara is supposed, which fits with the whole, you know, marshal of the right, the Zayna marshal. Um, but it's a little bit different there. But the Zayna marshal is more like bringing out how how everything is is with this Zaina Marshall is the Zaina in on it yeah yeah she knows what why she was hired yeah that's that's the Marshall yeah I thought it was just that everything is in service of Hashem no she knows and she wants the prince to not succumb to her wiles oh because she knows that, that she'll get in trouble if no i think she she's does. she's noble she wants she's invested in the she 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 doesn't want to be part of debasing the king's son mm-hmm. she's very conflicted right 
Okay. So then it's still more about helping. It's not like... It, it, it might overlap. It might be the same thing. But yeah, Yetar, but whatever the case is, Yetar is supposed to protect us, which is fa a fascinating idea to me. Because when we say it this way with the Marshal of the Zaina, I get how the Yetar could want to help us and is doing... Trying to 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 you know tempt us just to for whatever helpful reason, but protecting is so different. There's like a, a sense of nurturing about that where it's like protecting. interesting to think of the Itzahara as like loving us. Yeah, doesn't say that anywhere. The Itzahara loves us. Maybe maybe the Itzahara doesn't. Right. But protection, you're saying, has certain loving connotations. Maybe not. You know, it's like the mob. Yeah. It would be a shame if somebody were to burn down your store. Right. So while we were cut out for 10 minutes, yeah. what, what were you saying about Parsha Rabbit Hole? Okay. Um, uh, uh, would, would, tell me where, where I cut, cut off. Literally at the beginning. All right. So what I was saying is, name and channels, creative Judaism. The uh, flagship thing that I'm doing every week is a 20-minute parsha shear, which seems to be uh, at odds with the name creative Judaism. Um, and <laughs> got my joke. I did. Okay. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> All right. You know what? I'm going to get a, a new set of eyes for this. Oh, but this doesn't get a match. Here, I'll do two different eyes. You know what that's called? Two different sized eyes? It has a name? Yeah. No, not size, but two different color eyes. Oh, color eyes. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, I think it's called heterochromy. Okay. Not pronouncing it right. A lot of dogs have it. For some reason, a lot of huskies. Huskies will have heterochromic eyes. Okay. Those eyes have no irises. They're just pupils. Yeah. And the color is not in the iris, but it's on the eyelid. And also, with puppet eyes, the pupils are always stuck on, and real pupils are just holes. Uh, I always wonder how the pupils are so black. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Did I answer the question? Not really. That wasn't as black. Pupils are black. Okay. So, All right, and so anyways, like it's called Creative Judaism. Why would I do a twenty-minute parsha shear every week? Because yeah. we all know parsha shear means not creative. Is that what you were trying to imply? I I, I realize now that that was not a nice thing to say. So I, I I I have a parsha shear on soul no. words. No, no, I'm what? All right. I, do you want me to try and crawl out of this hole, or do you want to get clean it up? No, clean it up. <laughs> um, 
I don't think usually attending a class is an act of creativity. According to like Hasidus, right? Is is uh, you have to be bottle during while you're learning Torah, and so that you're just being macabre, and you turn off the your expression, and you're just taking it in. It's not an act of, of a creative act. So basically, when you're learning properly, you should look like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then. The teacher says, an incredible insight, you go. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's how it, that's how it sounds to me. Okay. Um, I'm, yeah, so obviously you have to be interacting with it, and the more you can engage your audience, the better or whatever, fine. But generally, you are consuming something that somebody else is, is giving to you. Right, it's an or internalizing. You're not creating something new yourself. You afterwards, you can take it and digest it and process it and build your own new ideas. But during the class, you're it's you're consuming it. No. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, and so, anyways, our punchline, the whole point of it is basically you're, you're talking circles around the fact that you think that most. Harsher classes are boring. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't need to talk circles around that. I think every, I, 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 yeah. I think everything is boring though. I am very easily <laughs> bored. That's why. That's like why I, I do things like this. Like reality and real life is so boring that I need to make fake reality so that it's less boring. <clears throat> By the way, when people watch this recording, what time do you think they're going to guess that it is? <laughs> What time of day do you think they're going to guess that it is? I think it it'll, it'll it'll be different for different people. There will be people who are going to assume that it was first thing after chakras. So, like eight eight a.m. Yeah, maybe nine if we're a little bit on the lazy side. On the lazy, like on a Sunday, maybe you finish chakras by nine. Yeah, okay. I mean, we had something to do first. We had to go to the drugstore and pick up, pick up our cough medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then there's going to be other people. I'm describing gonna... the life of a responsible person. Right. Responsible people go to the drugstore every morning after chakras. Yeah. They get something, something done. Right. It's not that they go to the drugstore after chakras. It's if they need to go to the drugstore, then they go to the drugstore. Okay, and then other people are going to think what? Um, I, it just depends on when they would do it. I don't think anybody's going to guess the actual time. Should we should we reveal it? I'm going to reveal it with my clock. That's your clock's broken in the background of all my videos. Yes, your clock always says eight oh five. I'm very impressed that you know that. I have no idea what time this clock says, and it's been hanging on my wall for years. You really have no idea? You can't? No, I could not tell you. And I could look at it for a good long time before I could tell you. I can read an analog clock. It just takes me so long that <clears throat> I usually wouldn't do it. Okay, so I'm going to reveal the time, okay? Yeah. The tone, the time will be. I don't Can you see there's too much glow? 
Too much glow. Too much glare. And what are you doing? Showing me a picture of your computer screen? <laughs> no. It's a, I... a illustration of recursivity? <laughs> no. No, this is not the, my computer screen. This is just the home screen of the iPhone. Oh, oh okay, fine. Yeah, I see 218. And now I see my face. It was on the camera app. It was on the camera app. It went black and it reflected. Oh. That's what it did. 218. Here. So, yeah, I was just, my mind was blown by reflections then. Hold on, hold on. Like a, like a cave person. Here. This is black. Yeah. There. Yeah, I see it now. I I understand. I and I you've got too many tabs open. There's no tabs. That I misunderstood. Oh, on my on my laptop. Yeah. Oh, you can see my laptop tabs. Yeah, and I saw your uh your banking password. <laughs> oh my goodness. You you fiend. <laughs> fiend. That was my whole trick the whole time. So I could get your banking information. Okay. So you, but your partial share isn't boring. I hope it's not. But whether or not it is boring, it, hopefully it still falls under the um, the category of creativity. Because what I'm hoping to do is, all right, it's, it's 20 minutes full of sources. I got a source sheet that's full of stuff. I I hope that when when people watch it, they think I'm really smart and I know everything. Because it would make me feel good about myself if people thought that. It's not true. It's just like there's so much information available. And thank God we live in an age where there's just like it's totally so accessible. It's so easy just to like click, 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 click and find it. Anybody can do it. So hopefully that's what I'm trying to do. It's just so like it is not hard. You just find something exciting and just and follow the hard part is that very often the things that we're we're given to learn are not the things that we think are exciting um and there's I, that's, there's no reason for that there's so much interesting stuff to just find something that's that's weird and interesting and follow it there you go you said it in real real scholarly person words yes learn whatever floats your boat yeah. Okay. So I'm going to say, because you're not saying it, because you're saying that it's easy to do, anybody can click a mouse, can do this, but I'm going to say that the level of scholarship with these uh, episodes, you've done nine episodes so far? Yeah, nine, just the ninth one. Okay. Working on the tenth. So the it's going to be my 50th rabbi anniversary soon. I don't get it. Uh, I was looking in my folder. I have a little card that shows shows up for little profiles of every single source that I uh, I bring for each different person, right? And there is like 40 something of them. In the next video, I'm going to hit 50. It'll be oh, my 50 50th sources. rabbi anniversary. Okay, so 50, 50 sources. Okay. Yeah. So the level of scholarship involved in these episodes is really impressive um it's it's funny and quirky and super engaging and all that but all that aside the scholarship is very impressive and it's not just about clicking on links it's 
you're you're clearly you're 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 hunting you're like it's an expedition you're like on an adventure it's a it's an intellectual adventure and you're you're searching and obviously it's clear to me as someone who's done research before how many false leads that you don't show and like there's probably hours of, of fruitless research of just going through things that are not what you wanted until you finally find the right thing. So I, I know what it's like, and it's, it's, a, it's a lot of hard work. It, it requires a lot of focus. It also requires a certain type of thinking, which is the ability to, <clears throat> to know what you're looking for and uh, you know how to, how to hunt for it. It's like, it's like people know how to go like a junkyard and find parts and build a whole new car just from a junkyard. There's a certain, it's a certain type of, you know, savant who can know how to do that. So to be able to have a funny idea that's engaging and to have a theme and to actually be able to forensically put it together from the sea of sources that's out there. I'm so I'm, thank you very much. I'm torn about that because on the one hand, I want to believe that to be the case that I'm very special and there is nobody like me, which is, I think, can you just say that that's true of everybody and save their lives so can i tell you something i have had this exact same issue um battling am i special or am i not special at all and no i really i have this i have this inner conflict and the only way i've been able to make peace with it is i say well yes i look i'm incredibly special but everyone is incredibly special. And that's how I'm able to be okay with being special, is that I truly do believe that everyone is incredibly special. And so it makes you so special. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, oh, not so special in the same way. So I don't, I don't think anyone can do that kind of research. I don't. So, all right, so I'm torn because I, I like hearing, okay, that this is something you can do that's better than the way other people can do it, and that makes me feel good about myself. I thought other people can do other things that you can't do, like oh. drive. <laughs> I can drive. I just can't drive just well. Drive safely. I can drive safely yeah. most of the time. It's not like your license has been revoked. I don't no. want people to think anything like that. But what I'm saying is... There are certain life skills that generally are considered like read a clock and tie my shoes. Oh, reading an analog clock. Very good. You can't tie your shoes either. I can. <laughs> Not well. So what do you do? Um, I As ask. <laughs> I try to nod them well and leave them that way forever. One time I got these elastic things like they're rubber fake shoelaces that i installed into the holes of my shoes right um oh is that why you wear those clip-on ties i can tie a tie that laziness i can do that i know how to do it it's just laziness there i don't wear clip-on ties i wear zipper ties clip-on oh. ties are are tacky yeah it's, it's what cops wear hey cop <laughs> yeah. 
Man. All right, so can I tell you something I'm trying to figure out right now? Yeah. Oh, fine. Let me, let me just finish what I was saying is, is yes, I want to hear that I'm really good at things. On the other hand, I want to hear, I want it to be true that I, that, that this is something. You want to be fire up. You want everyone to be holy, but you don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. You're, can you explain you're that? You're hammered with the idea of populism. I like being the guy who gets to say everybody's holy. You like being the guy who still, everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. I have a very special and unique message about all of you. What makes <laughs> you so special? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I'm, I, I think we've talked about it before, so you probably do know, and you've probably also noticed it too, because we notice similar things, but you know, the, the, the Rebbe's Mitzah of Bias Mali Svarim is a quote from Kaira. Bias Mali Svarim, right. That's his language. He used it as a way to make fun of mezuzahs. Right. What a house full of Svarim. And in that case, that means Sifri Torah, Torah scrolls. Would it require mezuzah on the door, right? So Bias Mali Svarim is, yeah, Kaira's. Having a house full of... of Sorum, the way the way the rabbi used it, just any Sorum, Nazi fraternity, that would be an interesting right. campaign. But yeah, that comes from Kairach. Yeah. Interesting. Right? Yeah. So you haven't thought about it. I didn't think about it, no. Um, so yeah, so I, <laughs> yes, that makes me feel very good about myself to say everybody's special. Okay. So what's this thing you've been thinking about? Something I'm trying to figure out. Next week I'm doing dreams for the rabbit hole. And um, there's two different places that say, so one, in Gemara, one says, what's the most famous thing you know in Gemara about dreams? The most famous thing I know in Gemara about dreams? Yeah. The thing that I'll definitely have to say at some point. Oh, an elephant going through a needle? No. Good. Next. Um, dreams follow the interpretation. Good. Next, you're going to get there. If you see Pinchas in a dream. The, uh, the, do I have to mention that? I don't dreams know. are 160th of prophecy. Oh, yeah. 160th of prophecy. Right? Okay. Yeah. There's another somewhere else in Gemara. It says that that dreams are like the, gra the grain in the straw. That every dream has uh, truth and devarim betalim in it. Ain cholim with below devarim betalim, right? So my question is: Is the first thing the ratio by which there? So, so the second thing said: There's no every dream has truth in it and and absurdity in it. And then the first thing we said is a, a, a dream is a 60th prophecy. Do they yeah. fit together? When we say that, that every dream has truth and Dvarmatalem, is it 59 to 1 or mm -hmm. 60, 60 to 1, whatever the... That's a fascinating mathematical question. <laughs> yes, that's that's the kind of, of hard-hitting journalism we're doing over at the Partial Rabbit Hole. So if we watch next week, we might find out the answer to that. We might. I don't know if I'm if I'm gonna. Are you gonna make a pie chart? 
good. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make this one a short one so I can like catch up because I've been doing them late. So I don't know. I uh, maybe I'll make a pie chart. So okay. So I want to tell you something, please. Okay. First of all, it's been delightful talking to you. Thank you. Uh, you see what time it is? Uh, oh By the way, did we make it clear that it was a.m.? No. <laughs> it's 2.30 a.m. My son needs to go to the airport at 4 a.m. I need to learn three chapters of Rambam. We got to go. I but... did Davin Maidav, and I did say Vesintal Umotor. Okay. Good. So let's go. But you got to go. Do you want to say anything? <laughs> Do I want to say anything? Yeah, you want to tie it all together to say something inspirational and life-saving? We're all special. All animals are equal. I don't know what that means. Oh, George Orwell's Animal Farm. Yeah, I never read that. Me neither. Huh. <laughs> you think I read these books? But uh, I, know, I know how to. How I didn't to read it because, like, I'm like too holy for it. I didn't read it because that's a, on my list of things that I don't know how to do. Is read reading a whole book. It is tying shoes, driving, reading a clock, and reading books. You're reading a whole book. Yeah. Yeah. It was a criticism of communism. Yeah. Animal farm. All animals are equal. Some are more equals, equal than others. That's it. Whatever. Okay. Well, I'm sure you're going to pick up 11 new subscribers for the Parsha, new, Parsha rabbit hole just from... That's what, that's what I'm yeah. hoping for. Okay. Um, I feel bad because we told like... Uh, I was talking the whole time, and you didn't get to share your wisdom with the world. I was, I was, I was joking a lot, <laughs> talking about Are you how being serious. Yeah, I am being serious. I, I was teasing you because we're brothers, and I know how much you like being teased. Um, I hate being teased because <laughs> I'm very insecure, and I take everything to heart. And when people tease me, I like sit and I think about it for a long yeah. time. So. Um, so now I know I was making a bunch of jokes about you saving lives, but literally people do say that all the time. So I wonder. I believe you that they say it, and I be I believe that they think it's true, and it's not hard to. For, maybe this is obnoxious of me to say it. It's not like you're saying it's not hard to do this kind of research. Parsha rabbit hole, and meanwhile, there's somebody who can't do it, and they're crying, and they're like, "You're telling me this is easy. It's the hardest thing." Right. It, it's not, I'm not going to say it's not hard to save lives because I don't know, but it's not hard to get a lot of people to say that you save lives. And I just want you to know that was never a deliberate marketing thing on my part to be like, how can I get people to say that I saved their life? But something plan. Doing, there's something I'm doing that has the effect that makes people think that I saved their life.
Okay. And in China, they would have to be my slave. Is that a thing? You've said this twice. <laughs> I know. It's actually the opposite. It's the reason why um, in China, people will like run away from an accident victim. Because if, yeah, I, I don't know if this is true. This could, can you fact check this? I heard that there's a real problem in China of people not coming to the aid of like accident victims because there's a belief that if you help somebody or you start helping them, then basically, then fate has ordained. I sound like such a whatever for saying this because like it's probably not even true. I'm believing this, but that if you help somebody, now you got to continue helping them. And now you become like their, their caretaker. I'm just finding UN reports on slavery in China. Don't put slave. Don't put the word slave. Yeah, Say, but China, slave. No, don't put slave. But no, China, good Samaritan or China, accident victims. Okay. Oh, I don't make me put China accident victims. Don't nobody Google that. And do image search unfiltered. I'm so sorry. China accident victims. Oh my gosh. No. No, George. <laughs> oh man. Thank God. To what? Uh, just a lot of sad things have happened to to a lot of people everywhere, but now I'm finding out about it, all the ones that happened to people in China. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so, do China Good Samaritan. You're imposing a Western concept. I know, I know. And it's actually from the New Testament. You're going to have to get Tovia Singer over here to debunk it. You don't even know who that is. Your YouTube experience is so different than mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, my, my YouTube experience is, showing, is, is suggesting videos about taxidermy eyes. Really? Yeah, literally. Oh, really? <laughs> sure. Oh, my gosh. My Amazon, though, has no idea what to suggest to me. Amazon? Yeah. Amazon's trash. It has, it's very on. confused because it's like, oh, you're a ping pong enthusiast. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> that's not what I use it for. Um, so China. Nobody will help the accident victims. Yeah, fine. All right. I'm going to have to read too much, and uh, I don't want to do that. You didn't find anything? I found something. I see a picture of a, of a, I see a, a weird uh, Chinese political cartoon. Okay, so. The guy with a, a giant heart. Uh, right I, 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 listen, listen. You know, as good as your research is in partial rabbit hole, it's trash for this, because I just found it in three seconds. Okay. <laughs> This is from the subreddit R China. Is there really a law in China that says once you help someone, you're responsible, and therefore everyone ignores when something happens to somebody? I've seen some videos where that would be an explanation. Currently, a video is going around, blah, blah, blah. A lady got run over a car, everyone ran away. Okay. So it says here there's definitely not a rule that says to help a victim proves guilt. All right, that wasn't even the question. No, in fact, there are recent Good Samaritan laws which are supposed to protect people who help victims. Uh, in China, I was driving an electric scooter at dawn along the road with my brother. This sounds anecdotal. 
in the middle of the road was a massive stone. I bumped over, knocked him. This blah, 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 blah. cars passed by me, almost running me over. Uh, people in China, whatever. Oh, that was purely anecdotal. Okay. Um, so I don't know. You were making fun of my research skills. I found real, real, real hard facts about a lot of pla disturbing plane crashes. Can I tell you another thing that I heard about why Chinese airlines have more crashes? Okay. I'll, I'll, uh, all right. I feel like I'm not going to like where this is headed, but. And it's not just China. It's all Asian airlines have more crashes. Okay. Is what I heard. Okay. Because of the level of respect that one has for a mentor, a co-pilot will not disagree with a pilot. Interesting. And there's an expression in aviation, it's not a mistake until until we both make it. Mm. So usually what happens is if the pilot is going to do something stupid, the co-pilot will speak up. But in China, if the pilot is going to do something stupid, the co-pilot goes, co goes like this. What country has the most chutzpah and therefore least airplane crashes? Halal. No? I, I, that's what I was wondering. I bet you it's true. And I know how to interpret statistics. That is what that statistic would mean if it has the least, the least uh, crashes. It would be because they have the most chutzpah. Yeah. Like Dershowitz. He wrote a book called Chutzpah. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to tell me about meeting him at an airport or something. And he... I was flying. He was Chutzpah. I was flying a little two-seater Cessna with Dershowitz. <clears throat> and this guy was constantly like making suggestions to me. You fly to Martha's Vineyard? Yeah, we flew to Martha's Vineyard for the weekend together. And he was constantly making comments. The guy was like, like backseat driving, commenting on my aviation. Chutzpah. I said, I said, Dersh, that's chutzpah. And he's like, well, it's not a mistake until we both make it. You call him Dersh? Yeah, I call him Dersh. And I said, is that what Klaus von Bülow told you? I don't, I don't get that reference. Klaus von Bülow. That's Dershowitz's first big breakout case. He defended Klaus von Bülow. Okay. So everyone's supposed to know that. Oh, you know it because you're his buddy and you fly to Martha's Vineyard with yeah, him. Yeah, what do you think we talked about? A prop plane. Yeah, and then a prop plane. <laughs> oh, All right. God. All right, are we going to go now? Or I'm going to talk to you about Martha's Vineyard and how I, even though I know I know this is not the case every time I hear it. I think it is a private, uh, like, ranch owned by Martha Stewart that all yeah. the rich people go to and hang out at. Martha's Vineyard is from a long time before Martha Stewart. I, I would imagine that to be the case. I would imagine it has nothing to do with her. Yeah. Okay. So we have a lot of... Uh, misinformation in this episode. Yeah, there's probably some that might that might uh, stoke flames of stereotypes. 
Um, yeah. We, we want to ask everybody to please assume that everything that we're saying here is satire. <laughs> yeah, do your own research. Please do your own research. Okay. So at any rate, you want to talk about vaccines? Yes, please. Okay, let's get into that. No, because I'm chomping at the bit to talk about that because I got a theory to share with you. No, yeah. I've got a theory that the vaccines cause uh, muscle soreness in your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Are we done? Have we get did we I like we got we went on a lot of tangents. I don't know if we said anything. Uh, this, I got to tell you something. I don't know how much I'm going to edit this. I don't think I'm going to edit it at all. This is the sloppiest episode of Blood Brothers, I think. But it's okay. Usually, usually we go off on all the tangents and we see we see it come coalesces. It gets somewhere. Get somewhere. It did not happen this time. It didn't happen this time. But I want everyone to see that. I want them to know. Uh-huh. It doesn't always it's not always this magnificent wedding cake. Sometimes it's runny oatmeal on a paper plate. All right. Um, I'm going to go fix myself a snack of runny oatmeal on a paper plate. That's great. Okay. I'll see you. Bye. Bye.